You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro. Today, we're joined by Laura Shaw, who is the Executive Director of Inc. Love Inc., whose mission is to bring extraordinary arts programming to youth facing poverty and trauma. Laura, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you join us today because the work that you're doing is so interesting. And could you share with us at a high level about Paint Love Inc.? Paint Love, like you said, brings arts programming to youth facing poverty and trauma. We are located in Atlanta and we work about half with Title I schools, which are public schools in low income areas, and about half with youth serving nonprofits. We work with them on an application cycle and have about year long contracts with about 10 nonprofits and up to 10. Title I schools each year. And we partner with local professional artists in Atlanta who want to give back to their community and be involved and share their craft with the kids in their community. So that can look like a lot of different things. We've done metal pours and glass blowing and screen printing and murals and jewelry making and and all kinds of things that the kids that we serve wouldn't ordinarily be exposed to. Wow, that's fabulous. And super curious to hear, are you the founder of Paint Love? Or could you share us the story that led you to being the executive director? Yeah, so I'm not the founder. Um, We were founded in 2014 by a local Atlanta artist named Julie McKevitt. And Julie grew up as a dancer, has a a dance degree. Actually, we're both dancers. Um, And she was working with a, a local organization called Wellspring Living that serves, it's a residential program that serves girls ages 12 to 17 that have been removed from sex trafficking. And she was bringing, just teaching arts classes with these girls. And she really realized that there was a big need for kids that had experienced trauma of varying degrees and levels to be exposed to creative programming. Um, Most of the organizations and schools that serve kids that are exposed or at risk of experiencing poverty and trauma don't have any budget for something like that. A lot of the schools don't have any arts budget or even if they have an arts teacher, they don't have a budget to buy supplies. So Julie founded Paint Love in 2014 and we started growing from there. We had four events our first year. I came on in 2015. I was a a grant writer at another nonprofit and had worked in arts organizations around Atlanta. And when I um, met Julie and was exposed to Paint Love, I just knew it was something that I had to be involved in. So I volunteered to be a pro bono grant writer for a while, and then I joined the team part-time as the community engagement coordinator. I started working full-time a couple years ago as the operations manager, and I took over as executive director last year. So I've been in this role about a year, and it is really exciting and a lot of fun. That's amazing. Can you tell me about your background and what it was beyond the professional side? Like, what is it that makes you so passionate about this cause from your background? Yeah, so I grew up in Memphis and was involved in a ballet company called New Ballet Ensemble that went around to Title I schools in Memphis and did performances and dance education. And that was really, really pivotal, I think, in, in just 
being really passionate, sort of understanding this world and the, the really great need for arts education. That was something that was really important to me and a big part of my life. And there are so many kids that don't have access to that. So I have a master's degree from Boston University in social work and theological studies. And I knew I wanted to work in nonprofits and had always been involved in the arts. And so had worked with a couple of different nonprofits in Atlanta in the arts community and paint love was just the perfect sort of amalgamation of all my interests and experience and was really action oriented was really doing something on the ground but was also really had a big vision and had a big dream that was scalable and feasible which was really exciting to be a part of that's awesome. And what is your vision for the organization now that you're the executive director? Um, this last year, we have been really focused on sustainability, on building a really strong foundation. So last year, we celebrated our fifth year as a nonprofit, and we celebrated serving our 10,000th kid, which was huge. We serve around a little under 3,000 kids a year with repeats. But this last year, we've really focused on growing our partnerships and moving into 2020, we're really focusing on figuring out what the needs are. So we don't just go into an organization with our own vision and say, here, we're going to do this for you. We're really working to partner with the leadership, with the staff that's on the ground with these kids every single day to listen to what they need, listen to the kinds of programs that they think are exciting and are fun and figure out the way ways that we can serve them that are going to make the biggest impact. For example, one of our partners that I mentioned earlier that works with teen girls in a residential program, one of the things we're doing this year is making sure that we have recurring artists participate with their programming. So it's not someone new coming every time. Teenage girls in the best of circumstances are always a little bit hesitant to dive into something new. So having the same artist and staff member there week after week is something that we can really build relationships and grow trust that is going to make a big difference in, in our programming with them. Can you share some examples with me about the types of programs that you do and what that actually looks like on the ground? Yeah, definitely. So right now, moving into this new year, we have um, 10 nonprofit partners. One of our partners is the Georgia Center for Child Advocacy, and they work with youth, mostly youth who have been abused in some capacity. They do forensic interviewing for court cases and, and work with the foster care system a lot. And we have partnered with them over the last couple of years to bring arts programming that's just something fun for their kids to do. So our programming, we it's not art therapy, but it is trauma-informed, which to us means we look at sort of all of the different pieces of how trauma impacts the kids that we're working with. It impacts their brains in really tangible ways, and sometimes it's hard for them to be creative. It's hard for them to engage the part of their brain that allows them to let go and to be creative. And so we work with each demographic to figure out how to set them up for success within our programs. So one example of that with the Georgia Center for Child Advocacy is we had a professional sculptor who also happens to be in a graduate program to be a social worker to work with the Department of Child and Family Services. So she is across the board just a great fit for this organization. And she came up with a ceramic project that worked with kids who are in foster care through this organization that were ceramic fish that 
we talked about belonging and community and what you bring to your community and what your community brings to you and gives gives you strength. And so she made these ceramic fish with all of these kids and then glazed them and kiln fired them and brought them back. And that gave them something that was theirs, something to gift, something to be proud of. We're also working with them in moving forward doing family programming, which isn't something we've done before, but they really had a need for. They wanted programming that not only gave their kids an opportunity to to meet each other and, and be creative and have fun, but to incorporate the caregivers and, and family members that are part of this process with them too. And that's an example of something really unique that we shifted our programming to meet their needs. So they made most recently ceramic um, mosaic frames, which is a super simple project, but they loved it. We got so much wonderful feedback and they just had such a blast. Um, we have prompts and sort of talking points that they can take or leave talking about uh, things like safe spaces, positive memories, that kind of thing, just to get them collaborating and working together and having a really positive and, and creative experience together. That's amazing. And how do you measure success? It's hard because it looks a little bit different at different organizations since we work really closely with such a variety of partners. For some organizations, success looks like a big collaborative project that a ton of different classes get to work on together, like a third grade class and a fourth grade class and a fifth grade class that wouldn't normally get to work together. They get to collaborate and build something that they're really proud of that meets a goal that is collaborative community building, for example, and they'll do a big mural that they're really proud of. But across the board, we measure success by having unique artistic elements. So materials that the kids might not have been introduced to otherwise or have access to otherwise and introducing them to real professional artists, again, that they might not otherwise get to know. Artists from their community, artists who have experienced a similar background or similar experiences and to see them as professional and successful and, and part of a, a creative community is really cool. So artistic elements. And then we also measure success in sort of our trauma-informed model. So having discussions, having themes that are deeper and go beyond just artistic elements because some kids also aren't, you know, going to be super into the project and, and that's okay. It's a process. It's, um, it's about them getting their hands dirty or thinking about something or developing a positive coping mechanism or learning a new strategy for how to understand and, and manage and regulate their really big emotions. Do you have any stories that you can share as far as particular students that have been positively impacted by your work? Yeah, so one of um, my favorites thinking about this last year is we did a huge mural project with an elementary school in a community that is highly diverse. They are um, a big population of immigrants and refugees. They speak a lot of different languages and come from a lot of different places. And we did a huge, we worked with an artist, an Atlanta artist named Zipporah Thompson. And she came up with this multidisciplinary project that was a solar system project, but they worked with clay and paint. They did a big mural, but it has sort of 3D elements that hang down from the sky. And there was one kid that 
supposed to be this troublemaker and we had um, sort of the teachers had warned our staff about about this one kid that he probably would have to be pulled out of the sort of of the paint love project because it was a special event and he typically didn't get to participate in things like that and our artist who was there didn't know which kid this was and it turns out this kid was phenomenal he was engaged the whole time he was so excited he was just ecstatic about every step of this process and this mural was took over a hundred hours we worked with a ton of kids but they had a, a significant chunk of time our staff was there for over a hundred hours this last year it was just really neat to see this this kid who was sort of labeled as this troublemaker and wasn't even supposed to be in the room because he gets pulled from special events like this, was just this shining example of the kinds of kids that we want to work with. He would get really excited every time our staff was there and was just so, so excited and so proud. Um, and when we finished, he at one point, they were doing a, a tour and he was just so excited to show off the parts that he had touched and the parts that he had been a part of. And I think that really shows how pride in the work and in the projects that these kids get to, to touch, especially if it's in a public place like their school. Um, they're part of something and they're, and they're really proud of that. That's amazing. I love that. You're doing so much good for so many people. What are ways that our listeners can help you? So we have a ton of ways to get involved both locally and from afar. If you're in the Atlanta area, um, we have a lot of volunteer opportunities and art opportunities for artists of all kinds. We, of course, love engaging donors in a variety of ways. You can be a recurring donor. We have a monthly giving program called the Friends of Paint Love, and we have, you can donate online on our website. And we are also accepting an searching for new board members right now. We're looking for sort of diverse voices and across different disciplines of people that are passionate about our mission and want to be advocates for our work. And of course, finding us, you know, on social media and sharing the work that we're doing and engaging in that way online is, is always great too. How do people find you online or how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, our website is www.gopaintlove.org. You can reach out directly to me at laura at gopaintlove.org, L-A-U-R-A. And on social media, um, our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that is gopaintlove. So we would love any engagement and reach out if you have questions or want to get involved in any way. Well, I know I'll sure be checking out your website even more than I already have. I'm excited to see your social media as well. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Growth Exponential podcast and wish you tremendous success in all your worthy endeavors. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bradley. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.